I was driving through my neighborhood the other day and I saw one of my neighbors that I had a confrontation with a few years ago. I think I told you about it in a previous sermon. This neighbor had yelled at one of my children when I didn't think that they deserved to be yelled at and had done some other things that really offended me in the way that they handled themselves around my boys. And so we had a confrontation, had a discussion about it. We didn't see eye to eye and we hadn't really spoken since then. We're not close to being friends. We are cordial to one another. Our, our children still play together. Uh, this family lives on a different street than ours, but we still see each other around the neighborhood. I just, I, I saw this person and I asked myself a question. Have I really forgiven them inside of my heart? Because I think that's something that as a pastor, as a Christian, that I really need to wrestle with and, and to think about that. And I really thought about that. And I think I've come a long way when this confrontation first happened, whenever I would see the neighbor in the in the neighborhood, all of these thoughts and images and words that were not very godly came to mind. Uh, I would obsess about it. Uh, it couldn't keep me up at night, couldn't sleep, just thinking about things I wish I would have said, uh, just being angry and thinking about what I could do about it. And so I don't have all that anymore. And when I see this person, when I am in the neighborhood, I just don't have those negative thoughts. I could actually pray for them now. It's a lot easier to pray for them. And so I think I've, I think I've actually been able to forgive them. But maybe you're like me and you, you ask those questions of, have I really forgiven someone? And I asked myself another question. I said, well, what if this person did something against my family again? Would I be able to forgive them again? So what exactly does it mean to forgive someone? How often should we forgive them? Because in our lives, this is something that's just very difficult to navigate, especially as we're called to do things like this for Jesus. And so if you've had those questions, then this message is for you. And we're going to dive in today right before we get to one of the parables. Uh, Jesus' disciples are with him. And Peter, who's basically the leader of the 12 disciples, asked Jesus a question that really resonated with me and maybe it resonated, will resonate with you when it comes to forgiveness. So let's check this out. We'll be in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 18. Matthew was one of the 12 disciples first century of Jesus. He then wrote about uh, the story of Jesus, and that's where we get this from today. And so Peter's getting ready to ask Jesus a question. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. In the Jewish uh, religious tradition, it, you would be very much a forgiving spirit if you forgave someone three times, if they wronged you for three times. We read that in the Old Testament. We see it in some of the other Jewish writings, the wisdom literature that are outside of the Bible from this time. And so Peter's asking Jesus a question, how many times should we forgive somebody? And maybe he's trying to get a gold star in his report card because he takes the, the average number, he doubles it and adds one to it. Do we forgive someone seven times? You know, maybe Peter's hoping to impress Jesus, you know, get Jesus to pat him on the back and say, wow, you're such a faithful disciple. Peter, yes, seven times will be just right. We'll see what Jesus has to say. Jesus answered him, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. We see that and we say, what? Are you serious, Jesus? Are you, are you joking? Like, we're not supposed to really forgive somebody 77 times. If they just keep doing stuff like that to us, how in the world are we, are we supposed to forgive them 77 times? Jesus, are, are you being funny or are you being serious? Of course, we know Jesus is being serious. And I warn you, sometimes Jesus can come out of left field and surprise us. Sometimes he can be offensive in what he says to us. And so today he really challenges us because I, I think Jesus 
is not just limiting it to 77 times. I think Jesus is saying there's no limit to how often we're going to have to forgive people in our lives. And if you're like me, I really wrestle with that verse in the Bible. I really wrestle with the idea that we would continue to forgive someone again and again for doing things that are harmful to us. And so what does Jesus really mean by that? And are we really expected to forgive people an unlimited amount of time? So now Jesus tells a parable to explain what he means. And a parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And so let's see what Jesus says from the earthly perspective when it comes to forgiveness. Let's see what he says again in verse, now we'll be in 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. If you remember the parables, talk about what the kingdom of heaven is like, what the kingdom of God is like. And Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven, brought the kingdom of God, into the earth, right? It's with us in, in part. It's partially here, and we'll encounter it in its fullness when Jesus returns again. And so Jesus is showing what it's like to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven that is already happening here on the earth. And he tells a story about a king who wants to settle accounts with people in his kingdom, and a man owes him 10,000 bags of gold. Now, when you look at that in today's dollars, I saw some commentaries. Some would say it'd be about two and a half billion dollars would they be. Some said it would be hundreds of billions of dollars worth of money. And so maybe a question would be, well, how did he get to owe the king that much money? Did he embezzle money? Did he work high up in the government? But remember that parables are made up stories to tell us a heavenly truth. And I think Jesus is just using hyperbola here. He's saying it's, it's an outrageous amount of money that there's no way this guy's going to be able to repay it. So what's the king going to respond like? Let's see what it says. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. So in, in biblical times, if you couldn't pay your way, then you could be sold into servanthood, where you had to go work off what you owed and, and work for someone else for free. And so this is what the king's going to do. He's going to divide up his family, going to split his family up. But in this case, it, it's not just to repay the king. There's no way he can repay the king. So this is punishment. It's like you and your family are going to be separated from each other. You're going to be working in indentured servanthood for the rest of your lives because you messed up. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Wow! So... The guy, the first servant who owes all this money, like billions of dollars, he's never going to be able to repay it, asks for mercy, asks for pity, and the king gives it to him. But he doesn't just spare him from jail and give him a chance to pay it back. He says, I cancel the debt. I wipe out the billions of dollars that you owe me. Just this amazing, merciful act. And it's just, wow. Let's see what happens next. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. We read this and we're just blown away. The, the first servant meets a, a second servant who owes him about $4,000. And you'd think that he just got forgiven billions of dollars that he would say, okay, $4,000. Hey, don't worry about it. I totally forgive you for that. Just forget about it. But of course he doesn't. He gets mad. He starts choking the guy. He says, you need to pay me what you owe me, which 
it's extremely difficult to understand because of the debt that he just had forgiven himself. Let's see what happens next. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Pretty much the same thing that the first servant said to the king. Now the second servant says to the first servant, you know, please just have some mercy on me. I'll, I'll do my best. I'll pay it back. Just give me a chance. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. This guy, unbelievable. He has the guy thrown into prison until he can pay him back. How's he going to pay him back from prison? And so just, it's, it's mind-boggling what was forgiven and what is not able to be forgiven. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. So now the servants are kind of probably reflecting our emotions. How dare this guy do this? Who, who does he think he is? He absolutely is messed up, and we need to tell the boss about this. He needs to know exactly what kind of hypocrite is walking around in his kingdom, not practicing the mercy that was given to him. And so these servants feel probably our anger as readers reading this story. Then the master called the servant in and said, You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Fine, if you're not going to be merciful, then I'm not going to be merciful. I'm going to put you in jail until you can pay me back, which is never. And so he's going to be in jail being tortured for the rest of his life. Because why? He received mercy, but he couldn't share mercy with someone who owed him much less than what he was forgiven. So that's the earthly story. Now, one more verse that tells us the heavenly perspective, the heavenly meaning of this. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. Jesus says that if we don't forgive, then we cannot be forgiven ourselves. And that is quite a verse that we really need to kind of wrestle with because that's like, that, that's, that's like a body blow, right, in a fight. Like, whoa, it knocks the wind out of us. If we want to receive God's forgiveness, then we need to be willing to offer forgiveness to people in our own lives. So from a heavenly perspective of this earthly story, what's going on is that God is the king, and basically the disciples and the hearers or the readers of the Bible we all line up with the first servant. We have been forgiven much. When we allow Jesus into our lives and we ask Jesus to forgive us, God forgives us every wrong thing that we've ever done in our lives. Like it's a huge debt. It's the hundreds of billions of dollars worth of debt inside of ourselves. God forgives that. And if we have been forgiven much, when someone comes into our life, and harms us in one way or two ways or seven ways or 77 ways, we are called by God to forgive them. God forgave us much. We can forgive whatever it is that people do to us, even though some of that is going to be some terrible stuff, some bad stuff, some stuff that's much worse than Pastor Kyle having an argument with his neighbor over saying something to his children. There are a lot of things that you have been through or going through in your life that it is hard to forgive. And so when we read this passage of scripture, it, 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 it's tough and we wrestle with it because we want to receive God's forgiveness, but sometimes it's really difficult for us to forgive the people in our lives who have hurt us. And what maybe adds even insult to injury is 
we have to forgive people who don't deserve it. And sometimes we have to forgive people who don't even ask us to forgive them, which really seems not cool because for us to receive forgiveness from God, we have to confess our wrongdoing to God. We have to repent, which means we turn away from it and say, I want to leave this lifestyle behind. I want to leave this behavior behind. You know, Jesus, please come and forgive me. And, but now we are being asked to forgive someone doesn't deserve it and might not even ask us for that. And maybe if you're like me, I hear that. And I'm like, not fair. This is not fair. It's not fair for me to have to forgive someone who's really hurt me, especially because they don't deserve it, and even more so when they don't ask for it. So this is not fair. And I'm guessing, if I'm honest, that a response from God would be, that's absolutely true. Forgiveness is not fair. There's nothing fair about forgiveness because that's what forgiveness is all about. Right? Mercy means that we don't do to a person what they deserve. Right? We don't do to someone what they deserve. Right? The, the king was going to throw the guy in prison. He was going to sell his family into servanthood, and he chose initially not to do that. Right? Mercy is when we don't do something to someone when, it, when they deserve it. It's kind of like uh, God in us, right? If we're not perfect when we, when we leave this life, then we don't deserve to go to heaven. And, and we deserve to spend time apart from God, which is a place called hell. And so that's what we would face. But God says, I know that, that you deserve uh, to go to hell, but I don't want you to do that, right? So I'm not going to enact this punishment on you if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, right? So mercy means that we don't do to someone what they deserve to be done to them. And the other side of that part of forgiveness is called grace. And that's when we, we do something for someone, we do something for a person that they don't deserve. And so it would be like our, our child or grandchild has had a rough day in behavior, but we still decide to give them ice cream or a cookie at the end of the day just because we love them. Uh, and so with God, right, we're not perfect in our lives and we don't deserve living life to the full, but God wants to give us life to the full. We don't deserve to go to heaven for all of eternity, but God wants to give us that, that gift that, that we don't deserve, right? So mercy means we don't give somebody what they deserve. They don't get what's coming to them. Grace means that we do give someone what they don't deserve in a positive sense of the word. That's what forgiveness is all about. So forgiveness is not about being fair. Now, when we're the ones who receive the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness, we're cool with that. But when we have to offer that to someone else who we know doesn't deserve it, that's where we get into a trap, kind of like the first servant, because we don't want to share that mercy. We don't want to share that grace. We don't want to share that forgiveness with someone who has harmed us. And so I think that's where we have to be on guard, not to be like that first servant. We need to be grateful for all that God has forgiven us so that we can also forgive those who do wrong things to us. Now, when we talk about forgiveness, when we talk about mercy, when we talk about grace, this, this doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable. It doesn't mean that we condone bad behavior or evil behavior in the world. That's not what it means. We absolutely stand up to evil. We stand up to wrongdoing. We have to hold each other accountable. We have to be held accountable for our actions. In fact, in this chapter in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 18, just a few verses before Jesus talks about forgiveness, before he talks about this parable that we've studied today, he talks about what it looks like to hold each other accountable. 
specifically to believers, followers of Christ. And, and he, he specifically says what it looks like to hold each other accountable. And so I'd invite you this week to go back and read chapter 18, especially the verses ahead of this parable, to find out what Jesus says that we should do to hold each other accountable. So forgiveness does not mean that there are not consequences. In fact, in life, there are two types of consequences. There are earthly consequences that we face here on the earth, and there are eternal consequences that we face in eternity forever. And so earthly consequences, when we do something wrong, uh, we violate a law or we hurt a relationship or, or hurt, or, you know, break trust with someone, we encounter guilt, we encounter shame. If we've broken a law, we might go to prison, we might have to pay a fine. If we don't take care of our bodies, we might get sick and die before we're supposed to die. If we violate a relationship at work, then we could lose our jobs. If we break trust in a relationship, then that relationship might end. And so there are earthly consequences that we have to face. Now, Jesus can help us work through our guilt and our shame and replace that with joy and peace. Jesus can also help us with our earthly consequences that we have to face. They're not going away. We'll have to face those, but at least we don't face them by ourselves. Then there are the eternal consequences, which basically is that if, if we're not perfect, we haven't lived a perfect life, then we're going to die a physical death because we've been cut off from the tree of life, which God cut off from the first humans, Adam and Eve, so we're going to die a physical death, and then we're going to be separated from God, and the Bible uses the word hell for that, and you don't have to die to experience hell. You can experience hell on earth when we are not in a right relationship with God, but in eternity, we face separation from God, separation from one another, and those are consequences that God helps us with. He helps us with when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, right? God takes away those, those consequences of eternity and allows us to live life to the full now and live forever in the kingdom of heaven. And so, again, mercy uh, and grace. Mercy spares us from things like hell. Grace gives us things that we don't deserve like heaven. And so that's how it works. But on the earth, we still have earthly consequences. So there is accountability. We do... Uh, not condone bad behavior, we, we condemn that, and we stand up to that, and so I don't want us to lose sight of that. But still, coming back to Jesus and what he said in this parable is powerful. If we truly have received God's mercy and we understand all that God has forgiven us, all the wrongdoing, all the guilt, all the shame in our lives, if we've truly receive that gift from God, then we will want to forgive the people in our lives who hurt us. Even if it's not easy, even if it takes a while, uh, that's something that we will want to do. And, and maybe that's another thing we can talk about with mercy and forgiveness and grace is that forgiving somebody takes a lot of time. And it's not just going to be an instant thing that we can just pop up and say, oh, I forgive you. Uh, sometimes we can, but a lot of times we can't and we got to wrestle with it. We've got to process it. We've got to maybe talk to someone about how we've been hurt, talk to a counselor, talk to a pastor, talk to someone in our small group. We have to hold someone accountable for what they've done to us. We, and maybe we need someone else to, to help us, the authorities or our boss or, or whoever it is. And so there, sometimes we're just too raw with our emotions to truly forgive someone our heart from our heart. It's going to take us time to work through that. I think God understands that. So I'm not saying that we have to rush forgiveness. But at some point, we're going to have to get there. And again, if we truly understand all that Jesus has done for us to forgive us of all of our wrongdoing and all of our guilt and all of our shame, then we will truly be able with our hearts 
to forgive the people who have wronged us. Now, for the first servant in this story, his understanding of forgiveness is very superficial. He only wanted forgiveness and mercy and grace for himself when it benefited him being forgiven those billions of dollars worth of debt that he had. But his, his heart wasn't transformed. He, he was not changed. He went then and, of course, didn't forgive the guy who owed him $4,000. So transformation didn't happen. It was a superficial encounter of God. But when we truly encounter God, we truly understand the weight of all that God has done for us, then we are willing to forgive others. And basically, God's asking us to forgive people unconditionally. There's no conditions. I'll forgive you if, right? There's no strings attached. I want to throw up what unconditional means. It means an unqualified removal of all we hold against people, right? God's asking us to do like what the song in the movie Frozen says, let it go. We let everything go for someone uh, who, who is hurting us or who has hurt us in the past. We have to fully forgive them from our heart and to let it go. And I don't know about you, but this might be the hardest value of the kingdom of heaven that I have to deal with. This is incredibly hard that we have, to, we have to fully forgive somebody from our heart to let it go, let all that animosity go. This could be the hardest kingdom of God value that we have to embrace as followers of Jesus. But I will say that forgiveness also is not just good for the person, it's not just good for God, it's good for us. I think it's a gift to us as well because in my life, when I'm mad at somebody, when I'm holding a grudge, I just constantly think about them and how I'm mad and what I want to say and what I want to do or what I wish I'd said or what I wish I did. And, and my mood becomes dark and black and, and, and angry. And I don't live life to the full. I'm not encountering the joy and peace of God when I'm carrying around that grudge. And, and, and I'm putting all this time and energy into this person. And at, and at the same time, they probably haven't given me a second thought. I'm not even a blip on their radar. And so why would I want to give this person so much power over me in my life? Why would I want to let them control my mood and steal my joy and, and steal my life to the full by constantly rehashing what they've done to me and how they've wronged me and how I'm upset about that? And, and, and rightfully so. But, but it's kind of like I'm, I've lost twice. I lost when they hurt me the first time and I continue to carry it around and it makes me miserable and it makes my family and friends miserable, and it's just a spiraling circle. So forgiveness is really a way of a gift for us where we can let it go. And so maybe that's a way for us to think about it. But ultimately, as, as we've been talking about in this series of parables, parables are a test of our heart. H have we truly received God's transformation? Have we truly received the, 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 the grace and mercy of, of God by forgiving us of all of our wrongdoing and our sin and our guilt and our shame and death and hell and giving us instead joy and peace and life to the full and life forever in the kingdom of God? If we really encounter that, I think it's going to be easier, not easy, but easier to forgive people who have wronged us. So what? So what's the point? What's the big deal? What do we take away? There's a lot going on here. And I think it's this, that mercy received produces mercy demonstrated. Mercy received produces mercy demonstrated. If we have received God's mercy, we don't get what's coming to us in a negative way. Mercy received produces 
mercy demonstrator. If we've received God's mercy, we're going to be merciful with people. It, it works for grace too. When we receive God's grace, we're going to give grace to other people. We're going to give them positive things that they don't deserve. When we receive God's forgiveness, we're going to demonstrate God's forgiveness to others. When, when we receive from God, we, it produces a demonstration in our lives, right? We, we receive mercy, we receive grace, we receive forgiveness. That, that produces forgiveness and mercy and grace in our lives. We demonstrate that in our lives. And so I think that's what God's calling us to do. And I think that it comes naturally. It comes from this relationship where we've given ourselves to God. Um, and I would say also that in America right now, this is something we need to think about. Because there's a lot of stuff. Our country is hurting. Our country is divided. There's a lot, obviously, going on with racism and systematic injustice. There's a lot going on with the pandemic. A lot of people are upset about how it's been handled one way or another, whether it's shutting down the country, trying to keep people safe, trying to restart the economy. There's so much wrong with politics right now on all sides of the aisle, just a lot of finger pointing. There's no unity. We're not the United States of America. There's so much wrong with our environment. There's just, there's so much going on right now. And I think if we want to have hope for a bright future in America, if we want to have hope for a bright future in the world, forgiveness is going to be a big part of that. It's going to be a big part of that. And, and I realize that, that a lot of what I just mentioned, it, it's way too raw right now. We're still in the accountability stage. We're still in the processing stage. And I get that. And, and I'm not saying that we have to rush to forgiveness. There's a lot that we have to work through. But in the bigger picture, we've got to get to forgiveness. If, if we want this nation to move forward, if we want to move forward as Christians in the world, forgiveness is a huge part of that. And I think that's where we really need to, to be thinking about our own role in this. And, and so this is the application that I would, I would challenge us to today. Stop focusing on what people have done to us and focus on what Jesus has done for us. Stop focusing on what people have done to us and start focusing on what Jesus has done for us. Right? Again, there's accountability. There is a time for that. There's a time for consequences. But at some point, we got to let it go. Right? Stop focusing on what people have done to us and start focusing on what Jesus has done for us. Right? Jesus came to the earth he died on the cross and he came back to life. And this is why he did that. He died on the cross and with him, he takes our wrongdoing, which is known as sin. He takes our guilt and our shame and our death and our hell and our separation and he defeats it. And when he comes back to life, he replaces all of that with joy and peace and life to the full and life forever in the kingdom of, of heaven. And so Jesus does that for us. That's his gift to us. What we need to do to receive that is to repent. We turn away from our life, away from Jesus, and we ask for his forgiveness. We ask him to be our Lord and Savior. We put our trust into him, right? Jesus does the heavy lifting. We, we have to receive that, right? And when we focus on what Jesus has done for us, he's forgiven us so much. He's taken away our guilt and our shame and our death and our hell, and he's given us grace, things that we don't deserve, life to the full, life forever in the kingdom of God, right? When we focus on what Jesus has done for us, then we can let go of what people have done to us that haunts us and keeps us divided 
and it points people to Jesus and it breaks the chain of all this retribution and it allows the kingdom of God to be present here with us even more so. So stop focusing on what people have done to us and start focusing on what Jesus has done for us. So what I'd like to invite you to do right now is just to be thinking about where where you fall with forgiveness. And in just a minute, I'm going to invite Katie Ann and our choir to sing uh, a song about forgiveness. And it's a repetitive song. And during that song, I I just would invite you to use it as a chance to open yourself to God. Maybe what you need to do today is to ask for forgiveness from God or from someone that you hurt. Maybe today I think all of us need to think about one person, at least one person, whom we have not been able to forgive. And it's time for us to forgive them. And maybe during this time of music and reflection, it's a time for us to pray and say, God, I want to forgive. I've not been able to forgive. I can't forgive on my own. I'm going to need your help, Lord. And so this is our time. If we want to make the world a better place, we want to make this nation a better place, we want to make our church a better place, then we need to ask for forgiveness from God and others, and we also need to be ready to offer forgiveness. Stop focusing on what people have done to us and start focusing on what Jesus has done for us. Mercy experienced produces mercy demonstrated. We receive the mercy of God, then we're going we're gonna to give the mercy of God to other people. Right? So, Do you need to be forgiven? Who do you need to forgive? And what do we need to take to God right 